Hey, everyone. This is Chris and Sandy from the Chris and Sandy Show, and where we get up close and personal with great, amazing artists who are rising. And we got a great one for you today. If, you, if you're into traditional sound artists, you want to listen in because this one's awesome. Um, Robert, are you here? Uh, I'm here. <laughs> so how, how are things going where you're at right now? Uh, things are going pretty good. I actually, uh, I live just outside the Portland, Oregon area, and we uh, kind mm-hmm. of escaped over to the Oregon coast this week to escape the craziness. Had a couple shows canceled, <laughs> so I had some free time. Um, I yes. get out of town. <laughs> yeah, we, ex- it's funny, yeah, um, this past weekend, we actually shot down the Jack, we live in Savannah, and we mm-hmm. shot down to Jacksonville, Florida, um, for the weekend, and we actually got, we, believe it or not, Sandy searched and searched and searched and found a church to, for us to attend that did search, church services yesterday. <laughs> good, good. Yes, we good. were determined to go to one. Then <laughs> I found one. <laughs> <clears throat> so as we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself. Of course, you already said where you're from, but again, where you're from, um, some hobbies you'd like outside of um, music and all that, just know the stuff that people don't normally hear about you know that's outside of music uh well i grew up uh like i said in the portland oregon area um I, i'm actually originally from florida um oh wow uh so yeah you guys i got probably 50 first cousins down in florida so if you run into uh, <laughs> one of them they'll probably tell you what you're down there but, uh yeah I, I grew up in oregon um my parents were always huge fans of traditional country I kind of went through a rebellious phase when I was in high school and grew my hair out and was a heavy metaler for a while. But, you know, I learned my scales real good doing the real complicated stuff. And um, then I kind of came back to my roots and my voice changed. And now we got a five-piece band and we tour all over the, the Northwest and we, we keep it pretty country. That is really cool because um, you don't really hear many people going more traditional. I mean, saying that we like it all. But we also do we like do. the traditional mm-hmm. too, you know. And yeah. it's almost like that's an art that's just not there no more. It's uh, I I just want to keep it going as best I can because, like you said, it's it's just not there anymore. You don't hear it. You you gotta kind of look for it to hear mm-hmm. it because it's not mm-hmm. coming over the FM airwaves anymore. Um, it's just it's not in vogue right now. But I think it's coming back around. You got groups out like uh, Midlands and. You know, some of the underground guys like, uh, you know, Jesse Daniel and Cody James and Whitey Morgan that are doing Mm -hmm. that really honky-tonk stuff. So I think think Mm -hmm. we got a good little scene going in the underground right now. And, and of course, it probably didn't hurt that Chris Stapleton has been one of the top artists, and he's kind of bringing it back that way, it looks like, a little bit. It it doesn't hurt at all. And, you know, when (laughs) you start listening to artists like Chris Stapleton, it kind of gets them hooked, and then they start, you know, searching for artists like me and, and the other guys that are doing the more traditional stuff that are, you know, maybe not as well known. So he's kind of the gateway drug, I guess, for lack of money. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I remember when we first heard him when he first came on the scene a few years ago, and I was, of course, I know we he's like, wow. than that, but when you really first heard him about him on the radio and stuff, I was like, you know, and I guess it really started, I guess, in the ward stuff. I was like, who is that? I was like, he's really yeah. mm-hmm. good, and, and he's bringing, he's, and he's making traditional sound good again yep yep and uh i actually got the the chance to see uh chris stapleton it was like four days after he won all those cma awards but he still had all these 
mid mm-hmm. mid sized club dates that he had confirmed and committed to. So he I don't think he knew <laughs> that he was gonna blow up that big. And so I oh, saw wow. him at the Wonder Ballroom, which is just a little music hall in North Portland. And uh mm-hmm. I had bought the tickets for like 15 bucks uh, a month yeah. before the show. Didn't know because I was a fan of him from when he was in the Steel Drivers doing like bluegrass stuff. And, oh uh, wow! So that was a, that was a real treat because I mean he had just blown up and he was getting all kinds of radio play. And uh, so the people who got to see that show that night were really lucky. So what's something that um, I usually ask? What's something quirky about you? But they usually males take that the wrong way. Females, I can ask that. So, what's something crazy about you that people find interesting? <laughs> what's something crazy? Well, I mean, the fact that I was in a heavy metal band is pretty different, I guess, for, for a country music singer. But uh, something crazy? I don't know if this is crazy, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm uh, really big into uh, history. Mm-hmm. I like American history. I like the Civil War, the Revolution. Uh, I read all kinds of books all the time. I'm always stopping on the side of the highway when we're on vacation to read all the plaques. Like drive my girlfriend crazy. But uh oh, well. yeah. I'm really into that stuff. Mm-hmm. So since you're a big history buff and they always say history repeats itself. Are does it look like re- history's about to repeat itself here with what, everything that's going on? Well, history always repeats itself. Um I'm just hoping that history repeats itself in uh you know, stocks are dropping right now, and I'm, I'm hoping that they shoot back up once consumer confidence goes back up. But I'm no expert on that. Yeah. Uh, I know we live in crazy times right now, that's for sure. That is for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I just uh, I try to keep it all about the music because I've yeah. seen a lot of people get in trouble, you know, voicing their own opinions <laughs> too much. And, you know, one thing we can yeah, all agree yeah. on is good music. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Especially so what you know, living is... out here in Portland and having family down south, oh. you know, there's definitely different opinions <laughs> on religion and politics and everything. But mm-hmm. I found that uh, yeah. good old country music brings people together. Yep, ain't that the truth? It does. You know, even in the past, with Johnny Cash and Merle Haggard and all of them, it always brought people together. Yep, yep. And they could do stuff about politics, but they always made it funny. So, you yeah. know, everybody they thought did. that they were agreeing mm-hmm. with them, but they kind of towed the line pretty well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what age did you know this was what you wanted to do? Um, I would like to say that it was in high school, but if I'm being honest with myself, when I was 19, I went with my mom to go see uh, Merle Haggard, and he was playing with mm-hmm. Chris Christopherson. And... Oh, uh, wow. There was there was no frills, there was no fireworks, there was no extra lights. They just got out there and they played for you know two two and a half hours, and mm-hmm. it was just good music the whole time. They did a couple Bob Wills covers. Uh, Chris Christopherson got out there and did his you know original version of Sunday Morning Come Down and Bob mm-hmm. McGee and all those great songs that he wrote. And it was just raw and it was real and it was, it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. So after I got home from that concert, I think so probably 2012. Uh, hmm. I was, I was hooked. I wanted to do that. <laughs> oh wow! So what was when was your first time actually on a stage? At what age? First time on a stage. Uh, I actually sang uh, at my grandparents' fiftieth wedding anniversary. I sang "Proud to Be an American" by Lee Greenwood. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> In front of the whole crowd. <laughs> uh, and then the next time I was on a stage after that, 
wasn't until I was playing shows with my rock band in high school. So, I mean, there was, there was a good, uh, 10, 12 year gap there, but that's, that's pretty cool. But you kind of knew it was going that way without, without realizing it. <laughs> I I didn't even realize it. No. And like I said, when, when my voice started to change and I was like, man, I can't really sing this rock stuff, but I can do a good mm-hmm. Johnny Cash impersonation. Mm-hmm. I can do pretty good Merle Haggard. So yeah. I just stuck with that. So who were, who's been some of your musical influences through the years from growing up to now? Uh, in the country vein, um, it stayed pretty consistent. I've always loved Merle Haggard. My dad was always a big Hank Williams Jr. fan. And then being from mm-hmm. Florida, they like the Southern rock stuff. So I was really big into Leonard Skinner and the Allman Brothers, the Outlaws, and, uh, Marshall oh, Tucker wow. Band, and all those guys. Um but, yeah, I guess kind of from the Southern rock stuff, I got into the more traditional stuff. I started listening to some of that jazz country from the 30s, mm-hmm. Bob Wills, and uh, got into the Bakersfield stuff. Big fan of Buck Owens. Um, you'll hear a lot of, once more songs come out uh, that we've recorded, you'll hear a lot of Buck Owens influence, a lot of Waylon influence. Oh, yeah. uh, I use a, a phaser on my telly to kind of get that Waylon sound mm-hmm. when I'm doing my lead work. So. so when you look back on what you've done so far in your career, what are some of the moments where you're like, wow, I got to do that? Uh, when we got to play Pendleton Roundup, and we were playing uh, right on Main Street there during the rodeo, and I think probably the third night is when it really started to fill up, and uh, people were actually singing along to uh, songs that I had written. And there was mm-hmm. probably, you know, easily... 1500 people in that crowd and it was like a real concert you know we weren't playing a bar we weren't playing a club um and we we just got off there and we were on a musician's high for like a week after that all we wanted to do was write songs and play so and then uh the other thing is probably uh winning the battle of the bands uh Mm -hmm. at ponderosa lounge there in portland uh Mm -hmm. that was really neat just seeing people that wanted to come out and support us and vote for us and seeing that we had a fan base um, and that actually got me hooked up with uh, our booking agent, Liz Gregory, out of Nashville. So that's that's been really good. Yeah, she's awesome. We love her. <laughs> um, so what's so far of all the venues you've played at? What's been your favorite? My favorite venue, to be honest, uh, I like playing the local bar up the street where I used to be a patron. That's my favorite ah. place to play. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe like when we more get in- to play the Opry someday, uh, my answer will change. But it's just, <laughs> I, I like I like those intimate venues where, you know, people are dancing and they know you and they're mm-hmm. friends. And, you know, they want to come out and support you and you're making people smile and you're selling beer and everybody's happy. You have a more intimate setting too type thing where you you can get up close and personal with people. Yeah, and especially when you're doing your own songs, too. I feel like people mm-hmm. can really, the emotion translates through a little bit better when you can have them really in the palm of your hand and they're right there in front of you, you know? Yeah. Now, because where, where we do little things different, it's always like to flip the script, too, is go to the other side of it. Because, of course, you know, everybody talks about the fluff, fluff stuff and all that. That's a given. But I think a lot of audiences out there, they don't hear the side that what it really takes to be an artist, to chase that dream. 
And I always like to try to get that side of it. I remember when I interviewed um, Allison Steele from Two Still Girls, and I always quote this on every episode because I, I want to lead into this question with this. Um, but she, um, I asked her what advice would she give next person who's trying to make it. And, she, you know, she was full-time with music at that time. And she's, and her exact, she goes, this is going to sound funny coming from someone full-time in music. She goes, but if your heart will allow you to do anything else outside of music, then go do that and just keep music as a hobby. She said, she went on to explain what, what she meant. Because she was, because she said that the sacrifices we have to make, the sacrifices on the body, the sacrifices our family has to make, um, the, the, we could be depressed, but on that stage we can't be. We have to. He says every show we do, there's got to be a mask on until we get off that stage and we can go do whatever. But there's just so much pressure on the artist. And she goes, if you're not willing to go all in, then it, you're really wasting your time because you're going to go through all that for nothing. So as we lead into this on that one, what's that side of it for you? What are some sacrifices and some struggles you went through trying to chase this crazy dream, <laughs> as people say? Uh, well, I mean, I cut my day job up until about three, four months ago. I was a sheet metal worker. And, you know, just that, that grind and keeping the band together and booking shows and uh, always writing songs and um, you know, I didn't want to be there, but I knew I had to for a certain amount of time to get enough money mm-hmm. saved up to go do what I wanted to do. So I guess that was a sacrifice. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say, uh, I mean, to, to your point, what you were talking about earlier, uh, if there's any way that you can be depressed when you're on the stage, then you shouldn't be doing it because that's my happy place for sure. No matter what's going yeah. on in my life, I can always get up there and, and when the band is tight and people are enjoying the music, uh, if there's any way possible for you to be depressed at all when you're doing that, then you shouldn't be doing, you shouldn't be in the mm-hmm. business at all. But you know, there are moments where everybody gets depressed, even you know, and you know, and I think what she was explain was trying to say is there are times where you may have just lost your grandma, but you yeah. got to get on that stage yeah. like you didn't. And so that's kind of where she was coming from. That there's going to be times where you do not want to do this that day but you have no choice because now your livelihood depends on it now it's your job you getting paid you signed a contract to make people happy and if you <laughs> if you don't follow through there's gonna be a lot of mad people yeah exactly and and once that happens you you can call your career goodbye <laughs> yeah yeah it's all it's all about the fans and um yeah you gotta you gotta put on your happy face even when you don't feel it i definitely agree with that <clears throat> what are your thoughts on, you know, right now as we go through this new normal, as I call it, with everything that's going on, at least I hope it's not a new normal, but it could be a new normal. The artists are getting um, hammered out there because, like you said, yet shows are canceling all, all that. What are some thoughts on how artists can survive right now through this um, whatever? I – would have to say it, that really comes back to the fandom um i would say if you if you like an artist and you know that they're losing money because their uh shows are getting canceled especially if it's somebody that is doing it full-time uh you know if you've got the extra money and you've got the means to do it get online and 
buy a t-shirt, uh, stream their songs. It's only fractions of a cent that we get when you stream our songs or, you know, mm-hmm. buy it on iTunes or whatever. But, uh, you know, if, if a lot of people are doing it, it adds up for sure. Um, yeah. and I know everybody that I know that does this full time right now is hurting. Uh, I've been on the horn with, with all the local country musicians in Portland. And I mean, mm-hmm. they're thinking about, you know, you know, you can't have a group of people more than 250. Uh, mm-hmm. So that pretty much cancels out any, you know, big size club gig. So mm-hmm. uh, get online, stream the songs, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes. Um, every little bit helps. And you know, some states uh, are actually making it 50 people minimum. <laughs> so that that draws down the size that you can play even more, right? Um, yeah. Other, another thing I would say, uh, while I've got the platform is uh go ahead and uh follow us on instagram uh at robert henry music um check out our website we've got some stuff you can listen to um and uh well, facebook if you don't have instagram or uh go ahead and look up robert henry band on facebook and that's perfect lead in for well, we'll we'll gonna take a quick break when we come back we'll play your song and we'll talk about what inspired the song how's that Sounds good to me. Okay. Are you a business owner who needs capital to grow your business or you're in a tight pinch? With our simple and fast process, we can get you the money you need in under a week. When banks can't help, we usually can. Go to obtainbusinesscapital.com. That's obtainbusinesscapital.com and get pre-approved today. Hey, everyone. We have partnered with another great podcast called the Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out. Gatekeeper, gatekeeper, why won't you let me in? Why don't you like my songs that sound like misery and gin? I came to Music City with a twinkle in my eye. Is there really no more room left for a simple, honest rhyme? Simple, honest rhyme. They've torn down and paved over all the roots that run so deep. Don't that make it kind of hard to grow? Gatekeeper, I don't want to sing them songs I love to hate. Time to storm the gate. Sitting here on music row with a guitar in my hand They say, now son, there's just some things that you don't understand We want to pitch you songs we think we'll sell 
If you compromise just a little bit, then we'll all get paid well. But I don't think Buck Dunham this way. And I don't think Whalen Dunham this way. I'll be damned if Hank Dunham this way. They've torn down and paved over all the roots that run so deep. Don't that make it kind of hard to grow? Gatekeeper, I don't want to sing them songs I love to hate. Time to storm the gate. With my vocals and I'm lighting with my hands I'm the only one who's in control of my own fate Time to storm the gate Time to storm the gate Gatekeeper, gatekeeper, why won't you let me That song is my, I guess, uh, token Nashville protest song from a traditional country <laughs> singer. Um, I was sitting in a songwriting session uh, in Nashville with our producer, um, and he kept telling me, man, if you want to get these songs on the radio, we got to get them past the gatekeepers, all the people in the, in the yeah. business who uh, make the decision on what gets played and what doesn't. And we had kind of written a few songs that I wasn't too crazy about. Uh, they mm-hmm. weren't really me. Um, and so uh, everybody left and we were staying in the little uh, apartment attached to the office. Um, and my girlfriend took a nap and uh, I woke her up and I had written this song. <laughs> and I was all excited <laughs> right away. Um, but, you know, he was, he was talking about the gatekeepers and I was like, who, who are these people? I, I Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Besides you guys, I don't really see uh, a lot of my style of music getting played on FM radio uh, mm-hmm. anymore. So I was like, time to storm the gate. So that was my little hook. <laughs> yes. I was, you know, it's just talking about how you know things aren't like they used to be, and you know, let's get back to basics. And you know, if the gatekeepers don't like it, they don't have to play it. But people who do like it can go on and yep. stream it, and we'll build a fan exactly. base on our own. We don't need them. And you know what's crazy, and we, and you know, because again, you're, you're like the closest to the 40th person we've interviewed this year. So as you start to interview a lot of people, you start to learn some things that you're like, I didn't know this. There's something that I learned, and have you ever heard of this out of curiosity what do you, and your thoughts on this? I always like to try to get things out of people. But um, I recently learned that if a record label has their prize artists, let's say they're an up-and-coming artist, and they've poured millions of dollars in them, and that's their next big thing, they think. And you over here, um, they, they see this other person, and they're like, this person could really compete with my artist. So they go and offer this person a deal and say, look, you know, we want you. We want you on our label and all this. So they do what they can. And, you know, most people, if a label comes to them, they're going to sign without reading the dotted line. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm with a label. 
I'm with the label, you know, now. Well, as soon as you sign, and I've heard this happen to several people I know now because they didn't read the thing, but you sign, and then they bench you for three years because in the contract they can do that mm-hmm. because they don't want you competing with that other artist that they just poured all that money in. And now yep. you just got this dream destroyed at least for three years because you can't do you can't do you can't do anything. Yeah, what I've, do you think I've about? Heard that have you heard that? Is that yeah. not crazy? It's crazy, and, um, and you know that's why I honestly, man, I'm not even playing the same game as them. I've, <laughs> we we've been recording our songs uh, out west ever since I kind of mm-hmm. you know the stuff we did in Nashville sounds great. But, uh, yeah. you know, it, it, some of it didn't really sound like my band. So I, I just came home and I got back to basics. And, um, you know, I I don't see myself, unless it's a label that I really believe in, that's more of an indie mm-hmm. label that wants to do traditional stuff, I don't really see myself playing the Nashville game, honestly. Yeah. Uh, because we we can do it on our own. We don't we don't need the old dinosaur machine anymore. We can We can make our own good country music and we can build a following. And there's guys mm-hmm. out there doing it right now. Um, you know, guys like Whitey Morgan, you have to put in a good 10 years on the road to build that fan base. So it's not yep. as instant as having millions of dollars uh, behind you for music row, but there's a way to do it. And uh, if you're willing to put in the work, uh, you don't have to play that game and you don't have to answer to all the money and you don't have to answer to the gatekeepers either. So, And and I'm glad you went there because um, we interviewed, because we also on Wednesday, which we ain't done this in a few weeks, but we'll probably start back soon. But we also did a, do another podcast called State of the Music Business where we bring executives on the business side of music so that people can get that perspective. And we, on our very first one was Joe Kelly from CDX Nashville, and that was something he was talking about. He says, he says if, if, a, if a label comes to you and you haven't grown your base yet, you just got screwed if you sign. He says there's no reason. He says, I know so many people that they will not because they're living it their way. They're, they're doing their music. They're doing it their way. They're making enough income. They're, they're profiting you know, 50, 100, 150000 a year. They're happy with their income, and they're doing it their way, and they know that they sign with a label. That changes. He said, with all the tools out there that we have, he said, we didn't have so much of this internet stuff back in the 90s. He said, but now with all the tools, he says, an artist can be – can stay independent and still make a good lifestyle. Absolutely. Yeah. I I agree <laughs> with that wholeheartedly. And there's there's plenty of examples of it out there and that's really what we're trying to do. Like I said, if somebody comes along that believes in the project and I have a good feeling mm-hmm. about it, you know, my, my answer mm-hmm. might change. But right now yeah, we're, exactly. we're we're kinda there. But we're recording our songs um locally here. Um you can get the same product if you have a good producer. Um and we're releasing them and we're promoting them and, you know, we have a good uh, following online and we're just chugging along here. That's good. So if you could co-write with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and what would y'all write about? Oh, man. Uh, and you probably heard the first part of the question, but most, I've never heard people say – people usually say, never heard the second part before. Because I, I always like interesting, you know, again, what would, you know, if, if you picked a Johnny Cash, would it be different? You know, what, what you'd, you'd probably like something different than if you picked like a Dolly Parton, you know? So I always like to see, you know, what is it, who would be their ideal co-write? But at the same time, what would y'all write about? Just, I've always thought that would be a cool answer to see what people say. 
uh, I'm a big fan of the uh, kind of the singer-songwriter alternative country stuff that came out of uh, Austin in the late 70s, mm-hmm. like Guy Clark and uh, Towns Van Zandt and those guys. So, I mean, I would have to say I would love to write a song with Towns Van Zandt. He'd probably outright me and end up writing the whole damn thing. But, um, <laughs> you know, and we'd probably write about, you know, I've always been a blue-collar guy. He'd probably write something about mm-hmm. that, just, you know, making a living and and, you know, just everyday life struggles. I don't know if you've ever listened to a Towns Van Zandt record. It's not exactly the happiest thing, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, probably something like a talking blues. Mm-hmm. Towns Van Zandt would be a dream come true for me. Oh, God rest awesome. his soul. Yeah. Yep. Either that or somebody like Merle Haggard. I mean, that, that dude, I mean, talk about a, a <laughs> triple threat of a voice of gold and a great songwriter mm-hmm. and a really good uh, lead guitar player. Um, Yep. So, so um, who's been your most supportive person behind you at this point in your life? Most supportive person? Um, well, that's a tie between a lot of people. Um, my girlfriend, uh, Haley, um, mm-hmm. does all the social media. Uh, that's, oh, that's why awesome. it's so well written and all the grammar's right because she went to school to <laughs> do social media. So anything you see posted online is usually her. Um and then my dad uh, manages the business side of the band mm-hmm. to make sure all the ducks are in a row and we're making money. Um, mm-hmm. And my booking agent, Liz Gregory, uh, she's always out there plugging me at all the fair conventions and, you know, booking me for bigger shows. And um, and then everybody here locally when I was first starting out, um, you know, there's, there's a pretty solid core group of, um, you know, 30 or 40 fans that have been at every show since like 2016. Mm-hmm. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah. So, because people usually don't get, you know, you, you always hear about the artist, the artist, the artist on almost every interview. But you never really hear about behind the scenes of the band. Tell us a little stories of maybe some of your band members that y'all have went through together. That's just one and something inspiring. That that you're, that you know, let's put them in the spotlight a little bit. Uh, well, I I have a great band. I love my guys. Um, well, I mean, one, one funny thing is my drummer is actually the same drummer that was in my heavy metal band in high school. So we, oh, wow. We've actually kind of grown together in the music and as our tastes have evolved. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we went from listening to Metallica and Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath to, you know, sitting out by the fire and having beers and listening to Waylon and Willie and Johnny Cash <laughs> and all that stuff. So <laughs> it's, it's been funny. Um, our steel guitar player, um, which really that's what gives us that traditional honky tonk sound. Um, mm-hmm. Bob Littleton, uh, he um, he has a real knowledge of music theory. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, not all, all of our songs sound the same. You know, I'll come to, to and we write songs usually. Uh, we arrange them as a band. I'll kind of have mm-hmm. like a chord progression, oh, wow. um, and. Uh, I'll bring it to him and, you know, guys like, like Bob, like I said, or my guitar player, Kenny, or my bass player, Jim, they'll all have something, uh, you know, just a little different uh, to throw in so that it doesn't sound like every other country song that's been done. Cause you know, it is, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely a niche um, genre. So it's it's mm-hmm. you got to keep it fresh. Even though we're doing traditional, you know, we're not trying to be a Waylon Jennings cover band. 
or a Dwight Yoakam, yeah, exactly. you know, sound alike band. Uh, so it's really important to develop your own sound. Uh, and you know, if that means going outside the box a little bit, you know, I'm not one of these guys that, you know, if it doesn't sound, you know, this way and this way, then it's not country. Um, hmm. it, it's, it's important to distinguish yourself sonically as well as lyrically and all that. So those guys, you know, I couldn't do it without them because if, if, if I, you know, arranged all the songs on my own, they'd all sound the same because I have a certain voice and a certain way that I write and the way that I play guitar. And, uh, it mm-hmm. takes all the, all the members to have suggestions and, you know, maybe we could do a stop here and go from a waltz to a shuffle and, you know, just little things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So, because you talked about your band and, you know, I always like to hit the people behind the artist. Might even do a segment one day called behind the artist where it's all about the people behind, not just the artist. Um, but because you did talk about your girlfriend being a part of this and you talked about your dad being a big supporter. Tell us a couple of stories of both of them that just shows people what you really have behind you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, it, it's kind of the same story over and over. I mean, we went to go see uh, Mike and the Moon Pies in Portland and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're good guys to know. They're also, you know, um, more on the independent side. Uh, they pretty much do it all on their own. They have a small team of people that, that really helps them out. I think they had one roadie with them and they go all across the country and, you know, they were supposed to go to Europe, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like my, my parents show up and I made fun of them for this, but they show up uh, at the show with us and we meet up with them and they're both wearing my t-shirt so they can plug <laughs> for the band because that is <laughs> they, cool. they know that everybody there is into the same type of music. So they were, they were like flashing the t-shirt the whole time. Um, and then uh, my girlfriend, Haley, I mean, if she sees anybody when we're out in public that looks you know, like a good old boy that would be into that type of stuff. She's right up there talking to him. She's like, have you ever heard of Robert Henry band? Would you like to take a, take a listen? Do you want to follow us on Instagram? So it's, it's a constant grind, constant grind. Um, just getting the word out and, you know, I, I I couldn't do it without them. Yeah. You know, we're like you, we're a family run company, a media company. And because of that, we always let our little one ask one. He always wants, he's eight years old. He always likes to ask one question when he's going to go to his mommy. But yeah, we try to break him. I mean, we got a one-year-old too, and of course, when she gets a little older, we incorporate her into yeah. this thing too. Yeah. <laughs> well, and when you get behind the scenes of a lot of these bands, it's it, you know, and country music is family. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, whether it's your core group or whether it's other artists, it really becomes it's a galvanizing thing because we're all working towards the same thing. And the most beautiful yep. part about it, too, is, you know, between artists, um, you know, nobody treats this like a competition, at least at mm-hmm. least the people that I've encountered. It's all, you know, we're gig swapping. We're looking out for people. Like, if I have a gig come up that I can't do, I'm on the horn with, uh, you know, four other bands um, that are in the same scene that, you know, may not be booked. Um, yeah. So it's it's really cool. Everybody's really supportive. Um, there's a little place in um, in Southeast Portland called the Landmark Saloon, and I swear half the crowd every time is just other artists that happen to not be playing that night because they want to come out and support the local scene. So, mm-hmm. so here he is. He's about to. Yeah, ask here one. he is. <laughs> uh, all, all right. Uh, 
What's my favorite food? What's your favorite food? Ah! What, what's hey, that? Yes. Yes, what's your favorite food? My favorite food is uh anything my mom cooks. She she uh she's got a mean fried chicken recipe. Um yeah, I love coming over for Sunday dinner and uh in fact I think next time I go over there if she's listening, Mom I want fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and what what's yours, Lucas? Pizza. Pizza? Yeah, that's a good choice. I eat a lot yeah, of pizza because had... I'm on a budget. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we do like last night on our way home instead of um Okay, bye. Okay. <laughs> He's quick. <laughs> but last <laughs> night on on our way home, because we didn't want to eat out out, we would we picked up a pizza, you know, and ate on our way home from Jacksonville. So yeah, we love it. Yeah, he pizza. was so excited. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. Well it doesn't matter what you're eating, it matters who you're with, right? Yep, exactly. That's right. So when you look at your life right now, is there a song out there that would describe your life? Uh, it could be anybody's song. And it don't have to be country. It could be anybody's song. <laughs> song that would describe my life right now? Um, yep. I don't know. I guess Chasing That Neon Rainbow by Alan Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Because that's what I'm doing. Exactly. <laughs> you know, because it's so great that you have parents behind you. Because one of the things that I, in you, with social media, we, I see a lot of people talk about, you know, when they tell artists, you need to go get a real job. And I cringe on that because y'all have a real job. In fact, y'all have better, y'all have a passion that you're chasing. And I think a lot of times parents don't understand because you hear a lot of them say, I, I want my child to be a doctor, a lawyer, a this and that. But they, I wish they had some of the friends I have <clears throat> because I've got friends that are doctors, that are lawyers through the years. And you sit down with them, and they're like – and they're about, say, 15 years in their career. And they're like, I'm miserable. What do you mean you're miserable? I'm just miserable with with everything, and I'm and with my career. I'm like I'm like, but this is what you wanted to do, and and almost all of them who are miserable with their career always tell me, nope, this is not what I wanted to do. My parents pushed me this way, hmm. and well, now they're really destroying in everything. The that, in the fact that uh, my parents have always been really supportive, especially once I, <laughs> you know, made it clear that that was what I wanted to do, they were fully behind me. I don't know if that's because uh, it's, I've, it's the only thing I've ever been really good at, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I've been blessed. I haven't had any issues with that. You know, they and you know they they push me now better at what I'm doing because that's what I'm doing. But yeah. uh, they've always been really really supportive. Like I said, wearing the t-shirts like a couple of dorks to the show. That's just cool. And, uh, I love I love show. that story. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if you had a magic wand right now and what you're about to say would come true no matter what, where would you be in five years? And the reason I ask it this way is February of this year made the five-year anniversary of me asking that same question to Kelsey Ballerini. And she's pretty much living what she said. 
in that. So I always, I always like to ask it this way because, again, you just don't – you know, I want people to dream a little bit. I don't want people to say, well, if I'm playing, that's good. I don't want, I don't want that – I want that real answer. Um, I would like to have my own bus and be touring all across the country, maybe into Europe. Uh, and I'd like to have a song, at least 500,000 streams on it on Spotify. And I would like to have played, you know, the Opry would be nice, but the Opry for me is, uh, I would like to have played the Ryman in five years. That would be awesome. Uh, and as we wind this down with a couple more questions right now, because it's probably different from years ago where, where, how you'd answer this, but right now in your life, what drives you? Uh, writing songs, playing music, getting that high off of playing shows. <laughs> and like I said, like, like we were talking about, even when you don't feel like it, as soon as I get up there, everything goes away. So exactly. Cause, that, cause I remember, I'm, like, I'm, that's what's driving yeah, me is, is getting, getting that, that fix again getting on stage and having people enjoying it and seeing people sing along this songs that I wrote is the coolest thing. That is really awesome. So if you, um, if you had a friend and let's say they had a pretty good voice, they could sing. Um, and the reason why I'll always clarify that because, you know, some people think they can sing and they really can. And then you've got other people that they just need some tweaking, but they can, but you know, it's just some tweaking and it would change everything. But if you had a friend that they did have a good voice, and they had this dream to live off of music. What's a piece of advice you'd give them right now? Let's say they played only a few shows. They played maybe five shows. So they're not like out there yet. They're just really yeah. trying to get started. What advice would you give them that would help guide them for the next two, three, four years? Um, use your voice. Sing all the time because your sound will hone itself and you'll develop an ear. Um, you know, don't play a show and then not sing or play guitar for three weeks after that. Um, always be using your gift and uh, hone your sound and develop an ear and uh, play with musicians that are better than you because you'll pick up a lot of stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and also, most important thing is uh, develop your own material. Write your own songs because nobody's going to take you seriously if you don't have your own stuff. Mm-hmm. That's really, really, really good advice. Um, so as we end this, um, are there any? Is there any question that that you have always said to yourself? I wish people like us would ask, but never do. Um, I don't really know. I'm I'm sure as soon as I get off the phone, I'll have fifteen of them. <laughs> Because uh, this actually hones, uh, you know, I use, I actually do use this because there are sometimes people will say an answer and I'm like, oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like the the whole, um, a few people behind the artists. Someone said that, uh, I guess, about three or four episodes ago. And I was like, ooh, I, I, that's good. So I've been using it every time since. <laughs> I don't know. Uh just I, I guess a question I would have asked is just how to get yourself out there because you know you um you start out and it's like you're just kind of jumping in the pool and there's a million other people that sing and play guitar 
Um, Ain't that the truth? And, you know, I've found out just through working with Haley and working with my dad and working with Liz, it's these days, if you're not signed to a label, it's about uh, having an online presence, having a decent Mm -hmm. website, um, and, you know, getting that following going on Instagram and Facebook. Um, But I guess I guess I already have the answer to that question. So (laughs) (laughs) true. So uh, as we get ready to end this, tell everybody how they can reach out to you uh, and all that. Now self-promotion time. Um, we are active on all forms of social media, so you can uh, direct message us. Uh, our um, booking agent is uh, Liz Gregory Talent. She has a website. Um, so for booking, you can reach out to her or you can give us an email at uh, roberthenryband at gmail.com. Um, or, you know, look us up on social media and direct message us, uh, and we'll talk about booking. We can talk about, you know, give me a T-shirt. We can talk about uh, where we're playing next. Um, so, yeah. And that is all. And we really enjoyed having you on today. Um, I enjoyed it. Thank you, Chris and Sandy, for, for having me on. Thank you for the opportunity. Every Everything helps. So we just got to get the word out amen. about Robert Henry Band. <laughs> and we look forward to uh, having you down the road back on to come give us some new updates. Yes, sir. Reach out to me anytime. I'll be happy to come back on. This is awesome. All right, we'll, we'll talk with you real soon. Thank you so much. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Hope you really enjoyed um, the show today. Robert Henry's really great. Go check him out. Go grab his stuff. Go, Like he said, go buy. You know, right now in, with the whole coronavirus and all that, they're going to struggle for a while. Because I think even after it's over, people are going to be skittish about going to events. So go buy their merch. Go help them out in that way. They're not asking for a handout. They're asking you to support them um, by purchasing their merchandise. But go to that, and then we will talk to you tomorrow as we get another great guest coming up.